Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Used Gamers Podcast. I am going to be playing host to tonight's episode, episode 60, the big six zero. My name is Chris. With me, as per usual, is my co-host, Michael. Good yeah, evening. We're, we're senior citizens. Yeah. We are. Yay. We get to have dinner at 3 p.m. Go to bed at, I don't know, 4? <laughs> um, Jared is dealing with fussy daughters tonight, so he will not be with us. He may show up later. We'll see, but probably not. So we'll get yeah. you back on here, buddy. We will do what we can. So it has been a very, very long time since we have recorded. I think the last episode was back in February. We are recording this in the middle of June of 2019. So uh, tonight's episode is going to be about a lot of catch-up of stuff that's happened with us in the last four or five months and then a lot of catch up on some stuff that's happened in the last four or five days because we are in the middle of gamer christmas that's right e3 2019 has just happened so we will give our thoughts and impressions on all of the wonderful press conferences and announcements that came out but before we do that we're going to talk about what we've been playing in the last many many months so mike what you been doing um yeah i mean obviously a lot since since we've gone a while i did uh play through anthem um won't get into too much of that because as everybody knows they had a very rocky start i'm excited about some of the changes that they're making but i'm also just kind of disappointed in a lot of the new stuff that they're showing off like cataclysm just looks kind of not anything that i'd want to go back into but to be honest too even if it was something that made me want to jump back in i'd still be hesitant to do any major you know kind of reinvest just because they still haven't fixed the loot system and i think that's probably the biggest issue with the game even the even though they didn't have a lot of content i think the content they have is still some pretty good stuff the gameplay is obviously really fun i actually enjoyed the story and the characters are all really amazing and very bioary kind of stuff so i really enjoyed all that stuff the main part where i really started to hit an issue is when you got to the end game because there just wasn't really a whole lot of drive to do anything because the loot system is messed up the crafting system is a, a joke uh it's just a waste of time so they really need to fix all that stuff before that game could really have any hope of getting its you know second win that so many of these uh games and services have which i just really wish that they would just stop and take another year to do them because it always seems to be like a year and then they come out with this big patch that fixes it all but why not just take a year more i don't know it's a, a whole different topic um i also got to play the dlc for civilization 6 that came out rising storm which was really cool they added in a bunch of uh, new civs that uh had some really interesting ways to kind of change how you play the game uh, they also added in a, a climate change mechanic that caused like natural disasters to happen and sea rise and all these different kind of things that you had to watch like your co2 production um They've also put out a couple of little other updates that added some quality of life things, but it's it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. I finally beat my first deity level game, which is the highest you can do. So uh, that was kind of cool to finally achieve that. Um, but still, still really enjoying it. It's still just as addictive as ever. Um, let's see. I also got to play. Uh, I played the the new PVE event that came out for Overwatch, uh, which this is the third one. Uh, so in this one, you know, there was a different kind of mission that you had to do, but it was actually a lot of fun. It was a it was a really tough one compared to the other ones. Um, so I really did enjoy getting to do that. It was some different characters you got to use. You got some more backstory and some lore into Overwatch, which is really cool, which is also really interesting because they recently leaked out that there's I guess they're already working on the sequel and the sequel is actually going to be more PVE than PVP kind of focused kind of sounds like what the original overwatch was supposed to be in a way it's kind of like what this one's like i don't know 
could be cool. Hmm. So we'll see. Uh, and then I also got my hands finally, I, I've had it for a while actually, but I finally got to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I have to say, when I first started the game, I was like, I had every intention of just blazing through like the main story. You know, I wanted to experience, but, but I just, I had other stuff I kind of wanted to do and I didn't know if I was in the mood for it. And the first time that I played it a while back, just when I was kind of just fooling around before uh, Red Dead 2 came out. And I didn't really invest too much in it. I remember not really liking it at first, um, but I jumped back in and started playing it and it just got its hooked into me really, really hard. And I ended up loving the game, ended up doing pretty much all of the side stuff, uh, got totally sucked into the world, um, you know, really enjoyed everything. And it was, they did a really great job of, uh, you know, speaking about Anthem earlier, I said, oh, you know, it wasn't never felt rewarding, never really felt like you were getting anything out of all the work that you were doing. This is the complete opposite. Like everything has rewards to it. Everything is kind of tied together. Nothing ever feels kind of wasted or uh, like just like a chore. Everything is, is, is really enjoyable because the base gameplay, of course, is really fun as Assassin's Creed is. It. I know a lot of people have said it doesn't feel like an Assassin's Creed game. And to some extent, I would say yes. Um, but to other extents, I would say it absolutely feels like one. Um, the RPG mechanics, like, you know, getting to choose dialogue and change up your, uh, you know, your, uh, equipment is, is, is really well done and it's really cool. Um, some of the, some of the choices are actually pretty, uh, critical in, in, in the things that they can cause, uh, maybe not, you know, world changing, but certainly you do see some effects from them. Um, some of the, the choices are actually pretty tricky and difficult, um, the story is good. There's there's kind of three different storylines that you're doing, which are all pretty enjoyable. Um, yeah, and then, you know, just recently the uh, season pass went on sale. So I went ahead and bought it because I was like, I want to still play some more in this world. So I'm about halfway through the um, the first DLC, which was Legend of the First Blade or something like that, where you get to meet kind of the first assassin. Um because, you know, yeah, Assassin's Creed Odyssey actually takes place before Origins, which is the beginning of the actual Brotherhood. Uh, was, but I feel almost like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it kind of gives you a little bit more of a look into the origin of the Templars. Because you kind of find out the Templars are made up of several different of these different cults or sects that uh, exist. One of which you meet in um, Assassin's Creed Origins and another one you meet in Odyssey. So it's just kind of cool to see that stuff and, and to travel around this world which is amazing i'm a huge greek mythology fan so you run into a lot of like greek mythology stuff like creatures and everything and uh yeah it's been really really enjoyable the only thing i'd say like i'm kind of a little iffy about is the mercenary system it's kind of like the nemesis system from uh the shadow of mordor games although not really as great and can be really annoying in the way that it functions um because you'll be in the middle of a fight and one will show up and you're like, oh, I could take this one. And then two more will show up and it just immediately becomes overwhelming. They're just constantly being annoying or they're just completely hard to find. It's one of the two. Like when you, I feel like when you need to kill them to advance through the ranks of being a mercenary, you can't find them. But the second you're just trying to get some story missions done, they just show up like roaches just scurrying out of everywhere. Uh, so that was the only part of it that was kind of getting annoying for me. Uh, otherwise, I've... I've just loved it. It's It's been amazing. I'm almost kind of disappointed it took me this long to get into it. But the cool thing is, is I get to do all, a lot of the DLC stuff. I didn't have to wait for it to come out because they're kind of releasing it little bits at a time. Um, so yeah, really, really great. Looking forward to what they do next. 
kind of almost makes me want to go back and play Origins because I didn't get to, but I feel like I can't go back and do another gigantic world of Assassin's Creed. I need to kind of take a break from it. So I'm glad that they're taking a little time off before the next one. Yeah, that Origins is, is real good, but I could see, yeah, doing something like that back to back would be, that'd be a little rough. Yeah, you have you have Odyssey. You just haven't gotten to play it yet, right? I do. Yeah, I, I haven't even opened the box yet, I don't think. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely I kind of make these little lists for myself of stuff to remember, like, hey, I'd really like to get to this this year. And that's at the top of my list because Origins was such an unexpected surprise for me. And I think that this takes everything that they kind of started with that and pushes it to a higher level and with you know better story better characters and so i'm yeah i'm super excited to get into that i i did not expect i would like origins as much as i did so I, I have very high expectations for odyssey and yeah and i'm sure you've probably heard this everywhere because everybody's talking about it but i would highly suggest picking cassandra as your main character in fact they've ubisoft has come out and said that they're doing novels you know for the 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 game and cassandra being the hero is the canon that they're going with Ah. Um, but also I, I feel like she, not only does the voice actress do an amazing job, but it just, it works better with, it seemed, you can almost kind of tell that they meant for that because it just, their way that their voices, even with the guy who does Alexios, like their performances seem to kind of fit better with those kind of assigned characters with Cassandra being the hero and, you know, Alexios being his character. It's just his, his voice tends to match better with it, uh, so uh, I would I would highly suggest doing Cassandra. Not to mention there is an outfit that you can get uh, called like the the Amazon kind of outfit. It totally looks like Wonder Woman. Like so you can check her out in that, which is kind of awesome. That's cool. But uh, yeah, uh, really really great. I've I've loved it, and so yeah, I loved it so much. I went ahead and bought the season pass. So which I was totally not intending to do at all because I was trying to burn through this really fast, and instead it's taken over my life, which is nice though because right now we're at a, kind of a big lull. Um, so it's, it's actually worked out pretty well, but what about you? What have you been partaking in during this long period? Yeah, a bunch of different stuff. So, I mean, I talked about immortal unchained on the last episode. I finally beat that, that game. I I raved about it before I will continue to, it had a really, really strong ending, which I was not expecting, uh, because the story just kind of was burning in the background as I was playing, wasn't thinking much about it, but it had a really cool kind of twist at the end that sort of left me like what? And it, oh, I was just so happy about that. So again, if any interest in people who like, you know, those soulsy type things, but if you want to do it with guns, uh, immortal unchained, really, really cool game. I'm sure it'll be really cheap again soon. Um, I kind of have gone back and forth between plugging away at some, uh, longer things and then also some shorter things. And as I'm saying this, I'm realizing my laptop is almost dead, so I'm not going to stop recording. But I'm going to go grab an AC adapter and have to cut this out. Stand by. Okay, so yeah, big games, small games, a little bit of both. So uh, I've been playing through a lot of just smaller titles, uh, old games that I play through on. You know, the I've been playing with the the NES downloads that have become available through the Switch Online service. So messing around with just stuff like Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Two. It's really good emulation, so everything plays exactly the way I remember it. Playing old Street Fighter games and stuff like that. Um, as far as newer games, I played through Anthem as well. Actually, Mike helped shepherd me through the final mission of the game, which I didn't realize was the end of the game. Um, yeah. I had fun with it. I don't know what it's going to need to do for me to kind of care about it again. It's, uh, I, I mean, I, they're taking the time, I guess, they need to give themselves a bit of uh, breathing room and image overhaul. And I, I guess the thing I'll be most curious about is now that um, Destiny has put out some in- additional information about 
what their future will kind of be, which we might talk about in a little bit here, um, whether or not that has any influence on what Anthem ends up doing. Cause I know a large part of that player base went to that new game and has since fallen off. So we'll see. I mean, it was fun for what it was. I eh, kind of regret spending the money, but at the same time, if I hadn't gotten it at launch, I don't think I would have been able to play it with people at all. So I guess, yeah, it- I mean, I, I enjoyed my time with it. I don't know that I would say that I felt like I wasted the money. I definitely feel like it wasn't, I regret making the pre-order because I do feel like if I would have waited, I might have not spent the money and waited to see if they would have fixed it later on, especially considering nobody else really got into it. It was, you know, just, you know, just a couple of us and most of us weren't really playing that heavily. Um, Although I will say playing through the storyline solo was actually, I would probably suggest it. And I've heard other people say this because when you go into the fort, one of the best parts and one of the most Bioware kind of parts of the game was the the characters you talk to at Fort Tarsus. And if you are playing with other people and you got to sit there and wait while everybody has their little conversations, I could see where that would be kind of annoying and maybe make you skip some of that stuff, which was, I think, some of the best stuff in the game. Some of even the best storytelling in the game was just talking to characters around there. So um, I would almost suggest at least playing up through the campaign just solo and to, and then you know, at that point, you really don't need anybody to play with anyway. But hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, I I don't regret having bought it. I guess I I did like the time I spent with it, but I just don't know what it's going to take to want to get yeah. back in again. Um, some uh, other bigger games I played through. There was a really good sale uh, on uh, some Nintendo titles, which almost never happens from their big first party stuff. And I picked up the um. New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, uh, which was just basically a remaster. Well, not remaster, just a re-release of the um, the big 2D Mario game that had come out on Wii U, which I had never gotten a chance to play. And it was fine. It was good. I kind of came out of it feeling like I did out of Super Mario Odyssey, which I don't even know if I ever talked about on this show. But um, it's an exceptional game for what it does. But at the same time, it's just sort of it's it's at such a level of polish. And, you know, there's they're so top of their game with everything that it's like exactly what you expect. Like basically Nintendo with their Mario games is like the kid who always gets straight A's. And then he brings home another straight A report card to his parents and they go, yeah, that's nice. That's good. That's what you do. That's what we expect from you. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was good, but I, I don't know that I will go back to it, although it did come with a copy of uh new luigi u i think it was super luigi u which was supposed to be just a brutally hard version of some of those same nintendo or same as those same mario levels or maybe they're newer ones but with like severe time limits so you I'm know sure you'll love oh, that right sounds like a chris game to me so i might check that out i've got a couple of really really big plane flights coming up in the next couple of months so um i'm definitely gonna be spending a lot of time with my switch um some smaller stuff that i played there as well um, there was a really, really great game that uh, nobody's talking about anymore because everybody always talked about it when it came out uh, called Ape Out that came out for Switch. I'm not sure if it was also like a PC game. I don't think it came out on the other consoles, but um, it's it's kind of hard to explain. It's a top down very it's like it it, it's a very artsy sort of game um it the graphics are very minimalistic it's like monotone colors everything has very little to no details on it but you basically are playing as a gorilla or some large ape who is tasked through these variety of levels from basically escaping from these different situations so you start every level in some sort of a cage or in sort some sort of a chamber and you break out and you just have to sort of brutally make your way out of whatever the situation is. So maybe you're in a research lab or maybe you're in like a Colombian 
drug lords like fortress like it's it's very strange one of them is like you're on a ship and you're trying to escape from the ship um and your basic only you know verbs things you can do in the game is you can basically just throw things and you are really good at throwing things you're extremely strong and this game makes you feel like ultra powerful because every other character in the game is just a human um with some sort of a gun who you know it's kind of like a batman game like if something starts shooting at you you're going to die real fast um so you are using line of sight hiding behind pillars trying to sneak around but then you're just brutally smashing people into things with these great explosions of very cartoony blood um slamming them into each other to get them to kill each other that sort of thing but what's really cool about the game is that um all the audio is basically just um jazz drums so if you can picture like a really sort of basic some kind of like baseline of drums that are that's the maybe sort of the background music every time you do something in the game grab a character slam a character into something there's like a drum hit or a rim shot and it's really really cool if you haven't seen the game definitely look up some videos because it's hard to explain what this looks like but um uh it was a really fun playthrough i was able to just kind of chip away at it over not that long a time but i will say there is kind of a bonus level that comes up at the end of it and it's one of the hardest things i've ever played in any video game like it took me almost a solid week to play through it and i was getting so maddeningly frustrated with it um it's broken up into discrete levels and every time you die in one of the levels it basically uh pulls back to an overview map of the of the whole um an overview of the whole map and it shows you like what circuit you've taken through it so it kind of shows a little white line that's like the path you tried taking through it and you could see sometimes that you were almost at the end and something killed you and so that would be just really frustrating but it's super super cool so that's been one of my favorite games i've played through this year definitely so far um also a smaller game called katana zero which is a really really neat sort of pixel art 2d um sort of actiony game you're basically this like really low rent kind of samurai who's playing through these um like i said side scrolling levels where you go into these rooms there's a variety of different enemies and you have to kind of try to take them out as efficiently as possible and it has um sort of a rewind mechanic very similar to like the old prince of persia games where if you die, it kind of rewinds to right before you died and you have the opportunity to try it again an unlimited number of times. And there's a story reason for why you're able to do that. It's, it's to do with this weird street drug and it's very, very strange. But um, but it's really cool. Cool music, like some of the best pixel art I've ever seen. Um, it's pretty funny because it's a really violent game, very adult in theme. So this is the first time I've seen like a little, you know, 16-bit looking character like smoke a bong or do lines of cocaine so that's fun um adult mm -hmm. video games um but <laughs> um but it, it also has some really interesting characters and and the story is pretty cool so um so that was a, that was one i liked as well but um i guess the biggest thing that i've been spending time with um since our last episode was the new from software game that came out uh sekiro shadows die twice which uh i said the ape out level was the hardest thing i've what played no i mean that's <laughs> that it's hard in comparison to most mortal games this thing was just a whole new level so the basic idea uh behind this game is it, it's not in the souls series it's not in the bloodborne series this is a, a new thing i think it started as like a tenchu reboot or something and they ended up making it its own thing where you're playing as this um one-armed samurai 
who is tasked with protecting this young prince. So you basically have to just make your way through this world to progress this story to figure out how to get to the end. Um, it's a really, really gorgeous world. I mean, From Software does pretty better, better than a lot of studios. It, it's really bright. It's this great sort of... Um, feudal japan um edo period like you're fighting samurais and there's monsters there as well but a lot of the enemies you're dealing with are just humans and um and it's it's a really really fast pace so bloodborne was a much faster version of the dark souls formula this is even faster than bloodborne which takes some getting used to if you try to play it like dark souls try to play it like bloodborne it does not work <laughs> um but that can be a good and a bad thing it took me a long time to realize that um, you have unlimited stamina in this game and stamina management has always traditionally been a huge part of the more recent games that they've made. So to realize you can just hold the run button and just run forever. It's it's really liberating. This game has a jump button, which none of those games have. Um, and your main form of defense is um, by trying to basically parry uh, sword strikes that are here to build up these sort of guard gauges to open an enemy up to just be completely vulnerable to you just being able to kill them in one hit. So it's this very, it's almost like uh, a hyperactive Bloodborne meets a fighting game, meets like every hard Nintendo game you played as a kid that was not meant to be beat because it was based on an old arcade game that was just meant to suck quarters. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the vast majority of it. And there was a lot of sort of discourse at the time about the difficulty and and I was eh, kind of like, well, you know, some people like it, some people don't. And, you know, I've made my feelings about their other games known very clearly um, until I got to the end where basically you, you know, the game has these things where you're, you're pairing, you're fighting, you're dodging these guys. So you can basically get the opportunity to kill them in one hit. And then the game kind of introduces these. Well, now there are guys you have to hit twice. So that's really hard. Occasionally, you'll get one you have to do three times. And, and that's that's really, really hard. The final boss has four phases which is just obscene. And um, I think I mentioned to you guys that, um, and everyone else I know who played this game, you know, when I got to the final boss of this game, I was just over 40 hours on my game clock. Uh, I think like 41 hours, maybe really good length. Like I, I had a lot of fun in a lot of that game. There's some great, great stuff that happens. Um, when I finally beat the final boss, which took me weeks of doing nothing but trying to beat this one character, my game clock was at 54 hours. So basically, I spent 14 hours trying to beat one character in a video game, and that's just stupid. Like I would not have, I wouldn't have done it. I would have yeah. quit. Long, I mean, it's the hard part was that I, you know, I got to a point where I basically understood sort of what I needed to do. And when all was said and done, I did it in about the cheapest way possible. But this is just an incredibly aggressive character. And it didn't feel like the kind of thing where, hey, this is building on everything I've learned through the game. Now I just have to do everything I've learned all at the same time. No, it was just, it was a relentless, just, you know, like I said, if I'm spending 40 minutes trying to fight through one phase of the boss and like, okay, now I have three more ahead of me. I mean, it's just, it's way too much. And and it's unfortunate because we now know what their new game is going to be. And I really everything has been pointing since Bloodborne to them just getting like really getting off on this idea of just scaling just difficulty to just, you know, Herculean levels, just hard for the sake of hard. And that's not what's good about those games. And that's not what's interesting about them. But it seems to be what they're doing. So I <laughs> I'm going to be very wary going into the next game. So I, I definitely recommend it for anybody. I mean, I, I think it's it's a gorgeous game. It's really interesting. I can't really think of anything else that's exactly like it. But 
yeah, be prepared to have just an inhuman amount of patience and, and, but I, I think you're right. I think giving up is the smart thing to do like that. Well, and that is the thing to do. Do you feel like the games keep getting harder? Cause in a way they feel like they have to keep upping themselves in order to keep their fan base happy. Cause if they kept pushing out the same level of difficulty, do you think people might start to be like, well, this is just the same difficulty as the last one. I already beat that one. It's like, so do you think like they're, they, or at least maybe in their mind, or maybe some of the feedback they get from their fans is that they want it to be more difficult each time to like, you know, one up on the last one. But and, now it's just getting to a point of ridiculousness. Yeah. I mean, and there, and there would have to be right. I mean, there's gotta be a reason why that happens and why it keeps happening. I mean, their games continually title after title, their games selling better and better. Dark, like dark souls three was the last thing before this game that they basically put out. And that was by far the best selling game that they had bloodborne. I think outsold the, all the other games before that. So I mean, their, their popularity continues to grow. So as the difficulty scaling, that can't be all new people that are coming in for every game. It's just, you know, it's more fans coming back for more. And, you know, a lot of the people I end up playing co-op with in these games, they're way better at it than I am. And there are people doing insane things like playing through the entire series of all five games in the Souls series without getting hit. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Like the, what people are able to do with these. I don't think that stuff is interesting, but um, I like a lot of the other stuff about it, but yeah, I mean, it has to be a part of it. I mean, I, I am pretty well entrenched in certain corners of the fandom for those games and um, interact pretty regularly with a lot of the people who, you know, make full-time jobs out of uh, just doing video analysis of this kind of stuff. Or you know, I was a guest on a podcast recently uh, called Don't Give Up Skeleton, like the 176th episode of this show that's just people talking about being fans of the series. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of people who know a lot about these games and care a lot about those things. The people I interact with most closely feel the same way I do about this difficulty thing. And yeah, I don't know that the answer is putting in easier settings. And the games are what they are. It's just as they get harder and harder i become less and less interested in that and of course i'm going to keep coming back for it because these games are by far my favorite thing but yeah, yeah that 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 was just a ridiculous like they burned a lot of goodwill with me in that final boss fight so it I, there was no sense of accomplishment when it was over it was just relief so the way you felt at the end of red dead that's how i felt at the end of this game it's just like thank god it's over which is a frustrating way to feel yeah it's never the way you want to feel when you finish a game especially one that you expected so much more from yeah um you know like i had expected for i loved the first red dead i expected the second red dead to be this amazing experience you know after the you know the success of grand theft auto 5 and the, the amazing storytelling they did in that, I kind of assumed there'd be a lot. And, you know, there was amazing storytelling in Red Dead 2. But, yeah, it was like there was this, oh, geez, thank God that's over so I can finally stop playing this game. Like, that's not the way you want people to feel when they finish your game. No. Want them to feel like that was an amazing experience. Even if they don't necessarily want to jump right back into it, they should at least feel like, oh, I would love to do something like that again. You know, I can't wait for their next game to come out, you know. Sure. Yeah. And, and so and I, I think I told you guys when that was over, like, I feel like for quite some time, like I just felt kind of broken for video games. Like I just kind of didn't want to like I'm like very slowly plugging away at like Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. That's like it's just a platformer that I can like. Yeah, you might need something simple like that. Yeah. Well, and, and I am very, very slowly making my way through Red Dead, too, because I on the whole, I've liked that game a lot. But I think maybe the way that I'm doing it is working to its advantage to where I am 
yeah maybe a couple hours that game every few weeks like so i think i'm only in the third maybe four no i think i'm only in the third chapter still so like you know approaching the midway point probably um but that's it and and it's fine i don't feel any need to you know I'm, i'm not like trying to get to the end with the whole community when it launched like that that's coming on and you know so i i'm enjoying it for what it is kind of on its own terms and that's sort of nice it's like my my game in the background um but uh but yeah so definitely fun to mess with with smaller stuff after that and then um most recently i've been messing around with um just trying to get all of my old retro gaming junk in line um of all of my old consoles i bought some av switchers and some cables that i've been missing and my goal is basically to try to take all these old consoles i have and get them all hooked up to my tv in my office so i could play all of them um, without having to swap a bunch of cords and ac adapters and stuff and that ended up being a much more difficult project than i had expected um in the course of it I, i did get everything running um I've bought a bunch of like really silly like twenty to thirty dollar gaming purchases over the last couple of weeks. I now have a Sega Master System, which is a thing I had never owned, but it like fits in really well with kind of that was sort of the missing piece of the time period of all the other stuff I have. So I've got like one game for it, and I'm just sort of fascinated by this you know Nintendo competitor that I've never really interacted with at all. I randomly have a Master System controller that I don't know where I got, so that was nice because the system I bought didn't come with a controller, so that worked out. And then um, I happily have been spending a lot of time with a Super Famicom, which is something I've been wanting to get for a really long time. Uh, I didn't have a Super Nintendo when that was a thing. I was a Genesis kid and my friends had Super Nintendo. So I got into that much later than everybody else did. And I've always thought the Super Famicom, the Japanese and European version of the system looked way better. I just I like the look of it. I like the color scheme of it and um, realize there's tons of weird Japanese games that came out. Right now, um, we're at a place where Super Nintendo games are kind of relatively expensive for people who are going back and buying and collecting, and they're they're getting a little bit more expensive. The Japanese and European games have not done that yet, so you're able to get a lot of games um, from either specialty shops or online um, for really pretty inexpensive. So... I think I've got like four or five games now. I haven't paid more than $5 for any of them. And I've got a bunch more on their way from eBay. Um, The highlight of them has been, for me, these kind of my interests coming together in a very unique way. There was a um, a Gundam fighting game, I guess, that came out first. I think it came out in America, too, called uh, Gundam Wing Endless Duel or something like that. And I'd never heard of it. And it's this really rad sort of Street Fighter clone. Um, that is with Gundam robots. It's super fun. So I have been able to get to the final boss of the arcade mode of that, but I can't beat him. But it's really cool. Like the graphics are great. It's these giant robots and the sound effects are fantastic. The music is great. I have no idea what anybody's saying because it's all in Japanese. But <laughs> um, so that's been super fun. So just playing with these old retro games is that's made me happy. And for as much as that second row kind of broke my spirit about newer games, I was like, I can always go back to the older ones and and embarrassingly did end up finally picking up a uh, PlayStation Classic Mini, whatever that thing is, for like 25 bucks. And I'm going to crack that thing open and improve the game lineup on it and see if I can get some better controllers on it. So I've realized that if if for some reason, like I keep getting let down by these bigger games, then I could always just, you know, wash my hands of new gaming and just stick with like let's go from like 1999 backwards and like there's an unlimited number of games i haven't played still so 
that's always fun. The same way you can go back to the isometric RPGs. That's how I feel about all this old console stuff. So it's nice mm-hmm. to have that kind of stuff on standby. Oh, yeah. But that's old stuff. We got a lot of new stuff, too, right? So Old games are old. Games are old. Yeah, yeah. Having a physical game is old. What are you talking about? What we got this dynamic streaming future we're running into. So we are right at the tail end. I think maybe today might have even been the day that uh, things have kind of wrapped up for press conferences for E3 2019. So we were thinking, as we do every year, we would just basically kind of go through um, the major sort of announcements, the major conferences, and just offer some general thoughts. Not exhaustive, but just things that stood out to us. So um, I was going to start with the press conferences, but Mike reminded me that we had a big announcement from Google before that. So we got some more information on Google Stadia, their upcoming... Technically kind of their press conference. Uh, Yeah. Yeah conference it just wasn't part of e3 like officially yeah so they basically told us gen generally what stadia was going to be a while back um earlier in the year maybe at the end of last year but this was their first time to kind of dig a little bit deeper into it so so what were you what do you remember as being the sort of bigger uh things that came out of this most recent bit of info i mean the biggest thing was they started out with a trailer and they announced Baldur's gate 3 which has been rumored like a ton but everybody wondered like is this even going to happen because it's been so long and i mean that's a franchise that you know uh wizards of the coast have been very very hesitant to give that out and it ended up going to lorian studios which are the same guys who did uh divinity the uh, divinity original sin games so that's hugely exciting because obviously they've shown they can they can do a a a classic kind of fantasy party-based rpg really well um so i'm hugely pumped for that i was Loved all the Baldur's Gate, loved the D&D, all those kind of, like you said, isometric RPGs. Uh, so I am extremely, extremely pumped for that. Um, and I thought that was a good win for for Stadia, because even though that's coming out to everything, you know, it, it, just like they say with a lot of the conferences, if it shows at your conference, it is still a win for you because people will associate that with your console or in this case, platform for Stadia, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, they, they finally came out with the pricing, which I thought, you know, is 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 nice. It is actually I mean, there's a free level, which is is very cool. So it basically depends on what what you want. If you want the full big 4K experience, then that's that comes with a subscription cost, uh, which is only ten dollars a month, which is not really that bad when you think about it. But if you're fine with just the basic kind of uh you know package you only have like me a low very low internet i think they said the the very minimum was 10 megabytes per second which is not it's not huge but i mean not everybody you know is going to have that reliably so i think that's my biggest question for stadia is is its effectiveness i like the fact that they do have a free version of it because that will give people like me who are hesitant to spend any money on this because they don't know how it's going to work with their internet a chance to maybe give it a shot i do hope that there is some kind of free demo like you know some free demos or something like that something that you can try out for games to see if they're going to work before having to spend money because uh, that's kind of a cool thing is you could literally, if you switched entirely over to Stadia Pro, you could never have to buy another console. You literally only have to buy games for the rest of your life or as long as Stadia is around, um, which is is just a really awesome idea. And I think shows like that's kind of a Google way of doing things like, you know, even when they are with their, you know, fiber optic stuff, you know, which hopefully makes its way over here soon because that would also help out with this. Um so it'll be interesting to see. Now, the Stadia Pro, which is the subscription one, is, ten, like I said, $10 a month. With that, you do get some free games, um, which is kind of cool. So it's just like a Xbox Gold or uh, 
PS Plus. Uh, the first game that comes out is the that you're getting for free is Destiny 2. But the interesting part about it is you're not just getting like the base game for free. You're literally getting everything, uh, even the newest expansion stuff. Um, even though Bungie did announce that Destiny 2 is going free to play up through year one. Um, but with this, you get all the year two stuff for free as well, which is kind of cool. They did put out their Founders Edition, which I actually do know some people who are going to do this. It's $129. With that, you get like a special controller, you get the Chromecast Ultra, um, and you get three months of Stadia Pro, three months to give to a friend, and there was some other stuff in there. Um, so, you know, that's really not a bad price either when you look at what you're getting, because the controllers they said are like $70. Um, you know, the three months of Stadia is, is $30, plus another three months for your friend, that makes $60. So you're already pretty much hitting that just with those things. And on top of that, you get a Chromecast Ultra, you get these other things, you get Destiny 2. So uh, it's it's not a bad value. And I mean, uh, that's why I think a lot of people are jumping on it. But for me, I just, my internet is not, I feel reliably enough for me to just go ahead and throw money at this until I know for sure. Plus, I'm not the biggest person on, I don't have to have the highest graphic level. I don't even have a 4K TV. So I'm not really big into all that kind of stuff. So for me, if it just runs at, you know, 780p or whatever, I I'm totally fine with that. I don't need the big fancy thing. Um, so yeah, so I mean, they showed like a bunch of games that were coming. Of course, a lot of the Ubisoft games are coming because they have a very special deal, um, which Ubisoft talks a little bit more about it during their conference. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, other than that, there wasn't really a whole lot big from it. I mean, it was just nice to get to learn exactly what Stadia was. I thought they did a really great job of presenting it. I think they they put out all the stuff that people wanted to hear from their last announcement. They put in this one. Um, you know, they showed off all the games. They showed off what they're going to do and, uh, you know, really showed that they are, they're really putting themselves in there. They're really becoming a contender against the other consoles and i think those guys really kind of need to to watch out and you know i think this also really set a bar even more so because i mean xbox already had a pretty high bar set for e3 just from from sony um the fact that sony just was like you know we don't even need to be there you know so the like it was xbox time to shine and i feel like stadia also added a little bit more pressure to them because they came out and did kind of what they needed to do which was to kind of create hype and make people excited about it and i felt like they achieved that um so but we'll we'll get into how xbox responded in a little bit but what about you i mean did you get you watch the stadia thing what did what are your thoughts do you think you're gonna jump into stadia or are you waiting like me or uh definitely waiting i mean it's i don't you know i i don't know i it, i'm i'm trying to figure out how i feel about all this because on the one hand like there's there's an aspect to it like one of my friends who uh who you know, known for years in California, he used to work for um, Bandai Namco, and uh, he's not working in the games industry anymore. But he was tweeting a bunch of stuff during that um, to say basically, like, you know, let's everybody don't lose sight of the fact that this is um, this is a way to have game companies continue to restrict your level of ownership over their products, which they already have to some extent sure. with digital things, you know, the storefront can disappear. Then what happens to your games? This is the, you know, this is the basically the, the Netflix model where you don't own anything. It's just about access. So there's that part of it that I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a room surrounded by uh, old CDs and DVDs and game cartridges. And so like, that's nice that I can play this weird old super nintendo gundam game that you know i just had to get the game and plug it into a machine that works so that's nice at the same time like i used to be a massive 
music collector. I mean, I, I, that's what I did. I worked in a record store and had to buy all the albums that came into the thing. I was the lead buyer. And so I'm like, my wife and I have thousands of CDs between the two of us. I haven't bought an album in probably close to 10 years now because I have Spotify and, you know, I have Amazon Music Unlimited. So my habits have changed there. And, you know, since Netflix and Amazon Prime have become a thing, you know, I haven't bought a DVD or a Blu-ray in years and years and years. So like these things that I, I thought were a big deal and I thought were important to me, you know, my habits have changed and I don't really ever think about it anymore. So I'm open to the possibility that that's where gaming could go. Um, I guess for me, the thing I'm most interested in is number one, does it actually work? And all of the preliminary, you know, kind of tests seem pretty positive for most people. Um, although this this hasn't been tested wide in a you know a lot of residential settings, so it's a lot of people going to events and getting to play games on tablets and phones and things like that. It seems pretty good, but um, I think for me it is that idea of a gaming experience that's kind of untethered from the upgrades in technology. Like that is that's impressive. So let's assume the Xbox One and the PS4 are the last consoles I ever decide to buy. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe it is. And then you know five years from now. Uh, you know, somebody decides to, hey, we're finally going to release Mass Effect 4 with the good one, the thing you guys have actually wanted. I'm like, I don't have a PlayStation 6. How am I going to play this? Um, but I could do that. You know, I could jump in and maybe, you know, buy a game that way on a technology that's kind of upgrading itself on the back end. So that part is interesting to me. And I like that you can basically at this point, I think everything except for the browser based stuff is going to be available by the end of this year. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that I will be able to you know, maybe it's just having to pay for a game, probably not a $60 game, but something, or like you said, I think they would be dumb if they didn't make some stuff available for free, just as a proof of concept. Like even if it's just, you know, a trial version of a, of a retail game, it's like if, if I could try mm-hmm. out a 60 frames per second version of rage two for two hours, you know, with my D- dual shock plugged into my Chromecast, like that would be pretty cool. It like, and if it worked, then I might, you know, you'll have my attention. Um, but yeah, I just, I just don't know that we know enough at this point about how it would actually work for us. I mean, it's a nice idea. Cause especially like for me, somebody who does do, I do play, do some PC gaming, but I'm not a hardcore one, but it, the part of the reason I'm not a hardcore PC gamer is because of the fact I can't afford to constantly be upgrading my PC. This allows you to do it without ever having to upgrade, which is great. But one of the other downfalls that I, I did see people talking about, which I didn't even really think about is do you, if you have a data cap. A lot of internet service providers right now have data caps on you. If you stream a video game, you can literally go through your your data cap in less than a week. Um, because yeah, of how much... what they, the thing they released today, I think it's like sixty five hours is basically yeah. a terabyte. That's like that's crazy. Which for some gamers, sixty five hours that's they could do that in a week or a couple of weeks. You know, it's you're gonna hit that, and, and that's just if you're only doing that. Not the most people are also doing Netflix or Hulu or watching HBO Go or just you know downloading you know movies or, or just whatever. Yeah, uh, and that's that's going to be a huge problem for, and I'm, I'm pretty sure like I have a data cap. It's a pretty big one, but I've never had a problem with it. But if I start streaming video games, I might run into that. So that's, there's a lot of things that I think need to be tested out before I, I give my okay stamp onto Stadia. But yeah, so we'll wait and see. I mean, it's, it's interesting and Hey, you know, I mean, they've got the resources to throw behind this thing and, and see, you know, Google's interesting because they can do a lot of crazy stuff because they're, you know, bigger than God, but they also have a 
long track record of giving up on things very quickly too. So mm-hmm. they probably, if this does not work out well in the next year and a half, you know, two years, I don't know that they're going to keep pushing hard on it the way that, you know, the way that Microsoft has weathered this console generation. I don't know that they would do that. So and that brings up your question about like with not owning the games is, you know, if they and a lot of people have brought that up as a fear is because of that, because Google has learned that if they see something is not going to pay off, they pull out. If they pull out of this and then all those games you spent however much money on are gone. Yeah. Not not exciting. So, well, that, that, that'll be a thing to keep an eye on. And I will be curious to see what people's experiences are when they start diving into it. So we'll see that's coming up in the real near future. So after stadia, we kind of get into the more traditional big companies or uh, platform holders talking about there. So who had the first conference this year? Was it kind of EA? I mean, they had the EA, yeah, right? which was technically not a conference. Oh, that's but... right. That's right. It was just kind of a live stream of of a bunch of their stuff. Um, I, I do have to say, while I I really, uh, to be honest, I literally just watched the uh, the new Jedi Star Wars game trailer, uh, Fallen Order, um, because when they released the lineup, they were very transparent about it. Like, we're just doing this. We're not doing any kind of big stuff. Like, this is our lineup. Was a little disappointed, along with a lot of other people, that Anthem wasn't there. They Anthem did have a big live stream like a week before that showed off the cataclysm. But I, I, a lot of people wondered if it was a little telling that they weren't at E3, but I don't know. Maybe it's because they're a little bit too busy working on all this stuff to, to send people out there, which is fine. Um, I re- That was the only game I really was interested in theirs. Uh, but I will say, I actually, after watching all the other conferences, I would almost say that in some ways EA had a good idea because a lot of... Uh, you a lot of the running themes of the conferences is there wasn't a whole lot to show because I feel like a lot of people are holding out for like the next console generation. We're in that kind of lull that we hit at the end of every console generation. And I think EA was just kind of like, you know what? We just have these updates for these games that we have. We're not ready to push out anything really that big, except for maybe the star Wars thing. So we're just going to do a basic little live stream. So while some complained, I think in the end, it might've actually worked out good for them. I will say, however, that, Jedi Fallen Order was a huge disappointment for me. I watched that. Uh, I was not wowed by any of the things I saw. I'm not super pumped to buy to play this game. I it definitely not going to do any kind of pre-ordering. To me, it looked just like slow-paced Force Unleashed. Like I'm like I've seen this before. This I've already seen this game. Uh, there's obviously going to be some differences. Sure might have a really great story, which is good. That could definitely talk me into getting it, but I'm not going to really know about that until the game's out. So I just, yeah, I was really bummed out because that was probably one of the biggest games I was looking to see here at the um, E3, and it just didn't sell me on it. The combat just looked really easy, too. You are only fighting, like, maybe three or four stormtroopers every encounter. And you're just wiping the floor with them, which mm-hmm. makes sense. You're a Jedi, but that was like in Force Unleashed, you'd be taking on like 20, 30 stormtroopers. Made more sense. Also, like the big like Inquisitor stormtroopers or whatever, the guys with the electro stabs that are supposed to be like your main adversaries during a lot of this, were no competition for him. They did say it, before they showed off the gameplay that this was like a pro person from the developer team, you know, who obviously knew what he was doing. But even when you were watching it, it didn't really seem like he was having to try that hard, like because it seemed very slow paced. And it just seemed like he could kind of just mess around with the stormtroopers and just kind of play with them because there was nothing they could really do to stop him. 
Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it was, yeah, it's strange because I think that there's a, you know, you can do like big and bombastic and like, you know, a thousand things going on on the screen and make that really fun. And there's a way to do like very slow and deliberate and methodical, which is also very, could be cool too. But this like definitely felt like it was kind of a weird middle range where it was like too slow paced to be, to feel like frantic, cool. Like, you know, I, I have like the power fantasy video game thing going on, but also not, there didn't seem to be enough like like i would be fine if it was slower paced and every encounter had that thing kind of like the Sekiro thing i was saying where it's like it feels like a little mini boss fight where you really are dueling with with people and you know if they've got those staffs or you know something it's not just a blaster but um so that's cool like i'd, I'd be totally down for that like i think that'd be really interesting but this didn't look like that so I don't know. I mean, I, I we'll find out more about it, I guess. This right now is feeling very much like, you know, when I saw the thing for the Wolfenstein sequel and I was like, dude, that looks rad. I can't wait to rent that and just play through it in like one weekend. Like and just go, okay, that was fun. Yeah. And then maybe I'll pick it up in the future when it's 20 bucks if I really liked it. But yeah, that's I feel like that's a wait for a sale kind of game because I feel it'll be something that you'll want to play. It's Star Wars. Uh, you know, it's respawn. It'll probably have a cool story. It'll probably have some fun gameplay mechanics and stuff to it. But I just, I don't feel like it's a must buy day one $60 game. Sure. Agreed. So, yeah. And then, I mean, if you're into Apex Legends, there was a lot of info for you. I just, my eyes kind of glaze over. It's like when people talk about Fortnite. <laughs> like, yeah. I, uh, I just, there was nothing else on there that I was really interested in game wise for them. So yeah, but that was the nice thing about them letting out that schedule is I knew exactly what to watch. I was like, I'm just going to watch this first part and that's it. I'm done. Yep. Um, while other conferences you like, you have to slog through, which we'll talk about later. There were some that I just was like, really, I have to watch another one of these games that I've absolutely no interest in. Okay. Yeah. So who, who does that put up next? Is that Microsoft? Yep. Microsoft was the big one. That's they had that huge, one chunk of time that they didn't even end up using all of it but it certainly felt like they did spoiler alert it was it was a long one it was long so i think they they kind of came out of the gate saying they did the thing that the playstation basically did a couple of years ago where it's like okay we're just gonna slam you over the head with games 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 and then we're gonna talk about some really really big console stuff at the end so it's like okay they kind of knew what they were doing and it was fun to get them see them kind of flex their muscles a little bit with no competition with sony not being a part of it too so yeah i thought fine. they failed miserably i feel yeah. like what they basically did is prove that sony was right sony was right to skip the c3 because they didn't have anything really big to show they didn't have anything really big to talk about so like you know what? we're not even gonna bother microsoft probably should have done the same thing because quite frankly i don't feel like they showed anything that wowed me none of the games were really all that amazing the only thing they had that was worth anything was the cyberpunk reveal and i'm sorry but that console thing like that was a joke they don't even name the console they're still calling it project scarlet like how do you come out there and just give me a few specs i don't care i don't care how many teraflops it does okay i want to see it not to mention they didn't talk anything about the streaming like you just had stadia come out and totally like bust you know the world open with their streaming stuff and you're not even going to really go into it i didn't understand yeah i mean it's basically the same thing they did with the the, the first year they did the scorpio reveal and then it wasn't until the next year that we learned it was the xbox one x so this was the first pass there but no games no real name no physical console no you know specifics about you know other than it's going to be four times as powerful as this and it's going to be 40 times this. And it's like, well, yeah, all that sounds like 
monstrous, but oh, okay. And but at the same time, you're saying all this is obsolete because we we could just stream everything. Like it's it's a weird place for them to be in because it does feel on the one hand like they could kind of go in a direction where they are not a platform holder at all and they become this kind of like streaming thing and you know let's 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 get an xbox on your switch and on your pc everybody and, thought that's what they were going to do and but then they're also putting out the the biggest console in history I, so i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting i mean yeah for me it was like the cyberpunk stuff was a big disappointment i i got a total kick out of having keanu reeves on stage i thought that was great but they didn't show anything of the game it was all cg stuff and well, i was yeah but did you hear about the secret note that they put out no so i guess there was some kind of hidden message in something they did and if you somebody figured it out and if you went to this thing you found like this secret note from cd project red to basically everybody and i really wish they would have put this out of course i'm sure it gets out because you know this is the way the internet works but they basically went in explaining why it was there was no game footage. Why, I mean, they were just completely honest about it. Like, they, we're trying to make money. We're trying to build hype, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they talked about the why they only have two different versions of the game. There's the standard and collector's edition, which they went in to tell you what was in the collector's edition, which actually looks freaking awesome, although it's over 200 bucks, so no thanks. <laughs> but even with the standard edition, this will probably be one of the first games in a while where I really want to buy the physical copy of it because they're they like we are literally testing the limits of what one of those boxes can hold they're putting like maps and stickers and all this other stuff inside it um if you buy the physical copy i mean because that's just the cd project red for you that's what they do um but it was just i would highly suggest you know people go out and you it's easy to find the, the letter people have posted it on all kind of videos and stuff but it really is i think it shows you the kind of company that they are um with their transparency and their honesty and just their dedication to their fan base um, and I think it really, because uh, I was very disappointed with the no gameplay footage too. Because I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, how could you not have gameplay footage?" Um, but they kind of, they really just spell it out. They're just honest about it, and um, it really kind of made me go, "Okay, I get it. I understand." Yeah, I, I still would love to have seen it, but you know, it's fine. It is very interesting to see them. You know, they have this Nintendo thing going on where they just kind of do their own thing that is kind of not related to what anybody else is doing and mm -hmm. sort of on their terms that they put out some information over the last couple of days, basically encouraging people to not pre-order the game, even though you oh, can do that now because no, like, they're like, no, 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 you need to see what it is. Like, keep your money. Like we'll, we'll yeah. show you what it is. And then if you decide what we bring out is good, then you should pay for it. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's the opposite of what everybody else is doing. But they're going to make, I mean, cyberpunk is, uh, it's probably the first game that could very well challenge like you know the uh you know grand theft auto 5 and stuff like that this game is is good and this is the thing is already people were there was everybody thought there was no way you could get any more hype for this game and then what do they do they freaking bring in keanu reeves like the only person who could probably make you more hyped about this game than you already were and you know and microsoft had this huge win with getting him off of the stage but the thing is is a lot of people are like, oh, Microsoft did this. But I was like, I don't even know if I'd say that's Microsoft's win, I, even though I did just say it's a little hypocritical because I just said, oh, if it's at your conference, it's a win for you. And it was. But in the end, I feel the real win goes to CD Projekt Red because they're the ones who put him in their game and stuff like that. Right. Because the whole thing is, is Xbox can sit there and talk about what an amazing console they have. But you know what? Xbox One X was an amazing console. But who's buying it? Nobody. Because why? There's no reason to what games am I playing on my, you know, they, they're two big games. They were finally going to show off at this one, which was halo infinite gears of war five. Both of those were epic fails gears of war five. They talk about this amazing new mode called escape, no gameplay footage, even though they even 
did that whole thing where they went below the stage and there was like the three WWE superstars who were going to be playing it. So I thought, oh, okay, we're going to get to watch them play it. No, we're going to cut away to the next game. I'm like, where's I get to see a a really too long trailer about this new mode, but you're not going to show me the mode itself. Okay. How is that going to get me to buy this game? You're going to talk about how amazing horde mode is going to be in this, but you're not going to really go into any details. You're going to do this weird shot of the main character, having all these other people's heads come out of hers, which tells me nothing about this game is just hugely disappointing. And then halo infinite, you're going to give me a trailer that, tells me abs uh, i know just as much about the game now as i did before the trailer right it comes out with the new console next year that's all we really learned about it so and that's not shocking yeah which is okay you still haven't shown me why i need to buy this console though show me why halo infinite is going to be like show me why it's like the original halo the original halo made it to where you had to buy an xbox like there was no choice because you had to have halo otherwise you were just you you weren't part of the crowd you know this hasn't shown me anything like that i have no idea what halo infinite is i'm assuming i guess all it does is it kind of tells you that it confirms that you are playing as master chief because there's that scene in the trailer where you're looking through his hud so i guess then it means that you're playing as him but i don't know yeah well just... and, and then i got my version of the disappointment of learning really nothing about the new from software game that they're making yeah. with george rr martin (laughs) which at least i know is called elden ring now i don't really know anything more than that but it's open world that's really about it there was a bunch of you know release dates like for outer worlds which is in october which is awesome um we did get the cyberpunk release date which i'm kind of curious about so it's april 16th there were a lot of games announced at e3 that were somewhere around the april-ish time sign i'm wondering if cyberpunk is going to be kind of like red dead 2 was where you're going to start to see everybody who has release dates around that game shift either a little earlier or a little later to get away from it. I'm kind of curious to see if that happens because, yeah. you, know, you know, that thing is just going to take over that that section. Well, and at the end of March is the end of the fiscal year. So that's where you send games to die like they did with Andromeda. So the fact that they are releasing right after that shows a lot of confidence in them. So mm-hmm. that, that's not a window that that's basically that's the window that got a war hit last year. Another game that I think came out new and that they had a hit on their hands. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think you're right. I think you will see some of those, you know, spring 2020 games start to sort of, hey, we're going to launch in January or maybe we'll launch in summer so I, I i bet that happened and some people will probably clear out of the way i don't know that anybody really knew witcher 3 was going to be what it was you know until after that kind of blew up so i think they've got that behind them now so yeah they did yeah. they also they showed off what ninja theory's new game which is that bleeding edge which is interesting I, i'll i'll i'm curious to see more about it because it's it's got a very much an overwatch vibe so it could be something worth looking at um they also announced they bought Do- Double Fine, which I think was at least somewhat of a win for Microsoft. But that's the thing is I feel like they keep building up to show you like that they're they're going to be this big powerhouse. But now that the new consoles are coming out, like they need to hurry up and start showing some stuff because you need to talk people into buying this console. Otherwise, you're going to fall behind pretty quick. So, yeah. so I'm guessing they'll have a number of their sort of little 
Xbox event type things. They have their little sort of video direct thing like Nintendo does that they do every now and again. So they'll get stuff of that and then they'll they'll hit super hard for E3 next year. That'll be interesting. That's what I feel is that I, I think they should have just held off on console stuff and they shouldn't have said anything about the new console, about xCloud. They should have held that for some one little of their own like inside Xbox things. I mean, because look at what PlayStation did. They literally just sent out like an email or did like an interview to talk about like their new console because they didn't have any big announcement. It was just kind of giving you the specs, which they know nobody's really nobody cares about the specs. They want to see it. They want to know what it does. They want to know why they should buy it. Um, they want to see the games. And I, I feel like Sony understood that. And everybody wondered if like it was a big mistake for them to skip E3. But I don't know. My feeling is it wasn't. I think they made the right call because they probably just had nothing to really talk about. So they're like, we're just not even going to bother. Yep. It, they don't have to. Given their space to do what they want to. So, so that's Microsoft. They came out. That was probably the biggest deal for the whole week. But then um, followed up by Bethesda that same evening, um, which I did saw little bits and pieces of. The only thing that really stuck with me for that was um, they were able to provide some information about what the Arcane team who made the Dishonored games was working on, which is a game called Deathloop, where you're basically stuck in this uh day after tomorrow looking thing where you're uh, two assassins kind of going at each other on this island continually killing each other and just coming back to life looked really cool sort of the 60 stylish thing i'm curious very curious we'll see what that's all about but then they finally had an opportunity to address fallout 76 so we've got ea avoiding talking about anthem because of the problems there and but then bethesda decides they're going to come out and kind of face this one head on so did you get to watch that i only saw little bits of pieces afterwards no, I watched the whole conference. I thought they started off pretty strong. You know, they came out and they announced the Blades is coming to Nintendo Switch, which I think is pretty big because I think when they first announced that game, I think a lot of people like me who are not really huge into mobile were kind of like, okay, why should I care about this? Because um, just playing on a mobile thing is just sounds difficult to me. But putting that on Switch actually sounds awesome. Um, you know, getting a portable Elder Scrolls game sounds sounds pretty cool. Um and then they they came out and they talked about Fallout 76, which, you know, as expected, they made jokes about their horrible, horrible launch with that. Um, but then they had the announcement where they are bringing in the new update called Wastelanders, where it's kind of part of the story is, is now that the people who've come out of Vault 76 have built everything up. Actual humans are coming back into the area. So you actually will have now NBCs that give you quests and our vendors and you know you'll actually have a storyline to go through so all the things that people kind of really wanted from day one they're um, finally adding it is all free too which i think is is really awesome of them to do because i think they realized that this was something that they needed in the game whether or not this was part of the plan or not um so i think it was awesome for them to do that they are doing a free thing for the this week where you can play fallout 76 for free um, I kind of feel like it would have been a better idea for them to do that free week after this new update launches, because I, if you really want to draw people back in and you're putting stuff out that's supposed to draw people back in, the best way to do that might be to give them the opportunity to go and play it for free for a week and then get them hooked and then have them. Because right now, it's the same thing that it was when it launched. So I don't know. But it was kind of funny. They were they were talking about it. It was interesting how they were saying, and this I, I noticed this a lot with Anthem as well, both games, you know, had very, very rocky launches. And it was kind of cool in playing Anthem to see the community that stuck around. People that really, you know, gave this game their all, even with all of its faults and its issues. 
Um, and right now I'm speaking about Anthem because obviously that was what I experienced with, but this is kind of what they were saying for Fallout 76 is it became actually a really close lit community where you didn't deal with a lot of the problems you do with some of these other big games where you have like griefers and people that are quitting on you and people that are just toxic and, you know, where you don't even want to talk to anybody. And when you join up in teams or people that just screw you up on purpose or, you know, whatever, I never really ran into that in Anthem. I think it's because the people that stuck around were the ones that really liked the game cared about the game and really wanted to take it seriously and i feel like that's kind of the same thing that's been happening with 76 where the people who stuck around are the ones who are really into it and so like they you know he, he was like we give you all these guns and all these ways to kill each other and instead you end up like leaving food and water for each other and he was like this really gives me hope for if the world ended or something he's kind of making a joke about it but it was just kind of cool to see that and i think it shows you like when you have these these unfortunate circumstances that I really wish they'd stop doing where these games as a services come out and have these really rocky launches. It does build up this very strong close knit community. And I think that's what allows them to be able to, to have these kind of comeback stories. I just wish they would stop needing to do it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was just kind of cool to hear that they were finally adding that stuff. It actually makes me kind of go like, Oh, I might consider, you know, trying out fallout 76, but, that would really also depend if I had friends to play with and what this storyline really is. Like, is this just like a six to eight hour kind of quick little storyline? Like, what does this mean? They also did now announce, of course, Battle Royale because reasons. That's, yeah. that's just the thing. <laughs> um, and then after that, it was just kind of like, I don't, I think Bethesda had an okay conference. It was a lot of just, it, it kept pretty much level throughout the whole thing. There was no really kind of big wow moments, I feel like for me. Uh, I guess a lot of the, their biggest wow moment was probably the new arcane game death loop, which I don't even really understand what that is, but yeah. the seem cool. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, they've got, they've got the Wolfenstein young blood, which will be kind of a bridge between mm -hmm. two and three, which they're working on right now, which that'll be fun. Like I've loved those last two games. So I'm, I'm totally excited to play that, especially if there's a co-op element, if I can convince one of you guys to play through it with me, I'm sure it'll be a shorter thing. And then Doom Eternal, I mean, that's kind of a known quantity. I think mean, it just it, you know, a lot of people really like that Doom release from a couple I mean, of years ago. Awesome. This is more of that. So if you're into that, like, I don't really care about that, but it it runs great. It looks super fun for what it is. So they'll that'll do well for them. But and then they've got their, you know, Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 stuff working that'll come out in 17 years or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, it it, it, it it still seems weird to me that this company has its own press conference. Like it, it's almost like. Yeah. But I mean, that's that is becoming increasingly common as we still have a couple more of those to talk about. Yeah, I mean, but I think they did OK. I think this was uh, I, I think this one was better than last year, where last year it felt like they didn't have anything. This one, it didn't feel like they had anything big, but they had enough just kind of keeping it going. Um, you know, it, it, the pacing was good of it. Like, I never really felt like it was a slog through this one. You know, I felt like they were moving through pretty quick. I think they understood what they had and they just went through and did it. And And overall, I thought it was. It was successful for what it was. I don't think they blew anything out of the park, but I mean, also when you start comparing them to the other conferences that were kind of just failures in a lot of ways, I mean, Bethesda actually did pretty good compared to them. So I don't know. It's good for them. So we got some more big ones. So uh, Ubisoft, I think, was one of the next ones that came up yeah. there. I literally watched not a single second of this. So take it away. Oh, my gosh. Well, they made a mistake, I feel, because I feel like their big wow moment, at least for me, was the new Watch Dogs Legion, which they started the conference off with. Um, they did a really great rundown showing you gameplay. It looks, um, 
I heard it kind of leaked out what it was, and I didn't understand how they were going to make this possible, where there is no main character, really. If you want to say the main character is this AI that's kind of what's talking to everybody and communicating and keeping this whole group together, because basically you're playing as DeadSec, like the entire group, DeadSec. And as you're playing through, you have all these different agents that you can choose from, and all the agents have different the agents of DeadSec, all these agents have different abilities. And as you're walking through the world, there's just NPCs everywhere, as you've seen in any big open world Ubisoft game. Every single NPC is somebody who you can study, research, like, uh, and actually recruit. And as you study them, you can actually learn what their strengths and weaknesses are. And you can actually trigger like an recruitment, a recruitment mission, which they showed off like real gameplay of it in the um, E3 demo. Of course, it's an Ubisoft E3 demo. So Take it with a gigantic grain of salt. And uh, um, <clears throat> so that triggers this recruitment mission. You go and you recruit the person and they become an agent. And like in the 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 run through, like the one of the people who you're playing as dies. The, the just immediately switches you over to, you can switch over to another agent. And the game just keeps going. You just lost that agent. Um, I'm really curious to see how they do a story with this. But it was just really cool seeing like all of the NPCs will be have their own personalities, be fully voiced, have their own kind of storylines. And I'm like, how how are you going to manage this? Like, is it going to look like it did in this trailer? Or are there going to be a lot of where I run into two people and pretty much the only difference is they have a different last name? Like, is that how like how good is this algorithm that is creating all these different NPCs? Are they going to be that different to where, you know, it's going to be a viable thing or, or am I going to be running into a lot of the same stuff and just little mild variations, kind of like those games where the guns are just mild, like Anthem, where the guns are just mild variations of each other. Um, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see if that does it. It certainly piqued my interest. Like I played the first Watch Dogs, was hugely disappointed, so I never got into Watch Dogs 2. Still don't really have any interest, but this actually makes me want to jump back into the Watch Dogs universe to play this game because if they can actually pull this off, it would be really, really cool. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the opposite of the Nemesis system. Rather than randomly creating enemies for you, they're randomly creating allies for you. But I don't know. And there's, is there any multiplayer component, or is this just a single-player thing? It didn't say anything, but I would assume that there's probably going to be something. Um, but there was no talk of that. So Interesting. Well, they're they're trying to do something new and different. Yeah, it, worked. it looked really awesome, so I was a little disappointed. I, I feel like they should have ended the show with that, but they didn't. Um, they kept going. Um, so they showed off a lot of games they had. They had like John Barenthal come out to talk about uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which was he was pretty cool. He brought his dog out, and his dog it's, just laid there. The whole dog time. was very cool. Yeah. yeah, the dog was the hit of the show. Um, but I also thought him doing his talk, he was obviously very into it, so that helped out. Um, they showed off new content coming to the division, which is kind of cool. I, I swear that game keeps kind of tempting me into jumping into it, but I just don't feel like I have the time investment for that, and I don't know anybody else who plays so. I don't want to. I don't want to get all stuck into that. Um, you know, they showed off a, a bunch of other stuff. No real big announcements. Assassin's Creed wasn't there. They were actually at the pre-show. They showed off the uh, create your own story mode, which I was surprised they didn't do that at the conference. But whatever. Um, they did show off their new subscription service, which I think is grossly overpriced. It's fifteen dollars a month, and you basically get, you know all the Ubisoft contents they put out. You get every game, you get all their DLC, all their extra bonus content. Um, I just feel like that's when you multiply that out, it's like $180 a month, which is just, you'd have to buy, you'd have to get 
three Ubisoft games a month, which for some people that's totally viable and and go for it. I think for the majority of people though, it's it's not really something that they would do, but I don't know. It just seems a little steep to me, especially when you think about with all these other things, because they're also they were saying that it was going to be on Google Stadia with the Uplay Plus was going on there. Because right now it's only for PC, PC and Stadia. Well, it's coming out for Stadia. Yeah, um, it's not on consoles yet. But <clears throat> like, you know, if you're doing Stadia and you want to do the Stadia Pro, so that's like $10 a month. And now you're doing $15 a month. And then you have your Netflix. And then let's say you do like uh, you have a PlayStation or an Xbox. So you're doing Xbox Gold or PlayStation Plus. Like, I feel like, you know, all of these subscription services start to add up. And so any of them that are a little bit more on the pricey side, it just, uh, I don't know. For me, anyways, I'll say it's not worth it because I maybe play one or maybe one Ubisoft game a year, maybe two on a, a good year. Um, so 180 bucks is not worth it for me. I mean, sure, you get all the extra content, but still seems a little steep. Yeah, and it's, you know, the problem with all these things, you know, whether it's games or movies or music, any of them, is that, you know, no nobody has come up with the service yet that is literally the, you, pay, you pay one price and get everything. So on top of all of that stuff, like if you're going to try to get as much as you can and have all these different subscriptions, that's still not going to guarantee that you're going to get everything you know maybe xbox games pass is kind of approaching that at least for their approach towards their first party releases but well, that, they that's did announce not everything i mean xbox announced which we kind of forgot to mention they did the xbox ultimate thing where it's xbox a lot it's xbox gold game pass and then xbox game pass for pc is free on top of that so it's 15 dollars for all three which i think is is a pretty nice deal when you look at what they offer but um, cause that's three different services for the same price as just the Ubisoft one. Right, right, right. Like which one do you feel is more worth it? And you can also get some Ubisoft games through game pass. So I don't know. <laughs> so they're doing their thing. They're making their French Canadian money. They're going to do fine for themselves. We go to the other end of the world to Japan. We get to talk about square Enix. Another one that I did not watch at all other than looking at oh some real stuff afterwards, but you'd be pretty happy with some of this stuff um no no so basically they started out with final fantasy 7 remake which was cool although they showed off a lot of gameplay which actually totally lost me i was totally in for this i was like this should be awesome then i watched the gameplay and i was like nope it's just and it's not that it's bad it's just not for me um because i would have preferred they either went straight all action or straight tactical like the classic which is what i would have really preferred is just to go back to the turn-based um, if they wanted to do the full action thing, I could get behind that. But they're doing kind of this weird mix between the two where you basically just press one button over and over and over again, doing your basic attack till you build up enough energy to cast a spell. And when you do that, you can kind of do a pause um, to do like a strategy mode. It just did not appeal to me. I was just like, mm, no, I don't like the whole like just literally doing one basic attack while you build up to do something cool. That just seemed boring to me. I don't know. I might still get into it. Uh, also, they made it seem like they're not releasing the full game. Like, you're going to have to buy this game in several instances. So, like, the first one will be, like, the first half or first third of the game, and it'll be a $60 thing. So you'll have to do that multiple times to cover the entire game, which I I don't know how I feel about that one. 
<laughs> there's, there's not many games in history that have enough goodwill behind them that somebody could even think about doing something like this. So I, I feel like they could probably get away with it with this. It's just not going to work for me. I don't think, but I'm sure there, there are definitely people out there who will do it. They'll pay as much as they need for that game. After that, it was pretty much nothing but a ton of JRPG stuff that I just had no interest in. It was just such a slog. I was like, can we please just get to the Avengers trailer? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. I know there's like a remaster for Final Fantasy VIII uh, and then a bunch of other JRPGs that I couldn't care less about. I'm sorry. You're not uh, going to get the last remnant in Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles as soon as they launch? Yeah, that's great. I, I, I just skip ahead, skip ahead, skip ahead. So then we got to Avengers, um, which was kind of... I I loved the, um, the thing they showed for that. It looks amazing. I know a lot of people were giving a lot of flack because there was no gameplay footage, which I wasn't shocked by. I was like, this is the first time we're actually seeing the game. I wasn't expecting gameplay footage. Um, but you actually, in the trailer for it, you do get little hints of gameplay footage. Uh, but overall, it looked awesome. I don't have a... It didn't really give you like a full idea of what the game was. Um, so I was still kind of... There was a small bit of hesitation on me, but overall, I was like, this has pretty much has me sold. However, though, I did just recently, today I watched a video of um, some YouTubers who got to go behind the scenes and do the, and watch the, um, I think it was like a 20 to 25 minute playthrough of it. And they said, they were like, he said, like, literally when he got out of the the play test, he went up to one of the developers and was like, why did you not show this during the conference? Like, you would have just blown everybody away. Because he had said that after he watched, you know, the conference, he was very disappointed in the Avengers thing. He was like, this doesn't look good, blah, blah, blah. Then he saw this gameplay footage. He was like, oh, I'm sold. Like, this is pre-order, like, 100% hands down, like, awesome game. And they kind of tried to explain kind of how it works because they were talking about a little bit on stage saying how there's single-player stuff, but then there's also co-op stuff and and how they explained it was is there is like what seems like a single-player campaign where you jump around between characters although it's still a little bit they didn't get to see any kind of multiplayer co-op so it's still kind of confusing whether or not co-op is going to be different things like side missions or if there's going to be parts of the main mission that you can do co-op which i think is kind of weird but i don't know overall they were talking about it was amazing that the conference they talked about how this is going to be kind of like a game as a service where over the next few years, they're going to be releasing, you know, new story missions, new areas, new characters, all of which will be free. Um, they said there will be no loot boxes, no pay to win. So I'm assuming probably how they're going to make their money is microtransactions through like skins for the different characters. So if you want to be like Red Hulk or Gray Hulk, or if you want to be like Better Ray Bill, you could put that on the Thor or, you know, something like that. Uh, I would assume they're probably going to make their money that way for it. Um, but still really cool. Um, that they would keep releasing stuff for free. That's definitely a reason to play. Um, so I'm definitely very excited for that. I think that's going to be an awesome game. Uh, will it be as good as Spider-Man? I don't know. I'd have to see it because Spider-Man was pretty freaking amazing. Uh, but we'll see. So assuming that, you know, the places where you could play these games were not a factor, this this is more interesting to you than Ultimate Alliance 3? um i'm not sure i mean it is in the fact that i'm not a big fan of the look of games on the switch like as i've said i'm not really the hugest person on i'm kind of weird when it comes to graphics like i don't need to get the 4k ultra hd all this fancy stuff but i also i'm not a person who it does very good at going back and playing old games because 
it's just hard for me sometimes to look at them. Uh, so like I have this weird kind of sweet spot where it's like, I don't need it to be really big, fancy stuff, but I really don't want it to be kind of crappy stuff. So, and not to say that the Marvel ultimate Alliance three looks crappy, but it just has that kind of switch look to it. So in a way, the Avengers one interests me more because it looks more like a modern game. Um, but I feel like I would enjoy, I, I enjoy more of the play style of a ultimate Alliance where you have a group of just random characters you can throw together and just run around and do all this cool stuff. Like I love ultimate Alliance games are one of my favorite games of all time. Like just in just the fun factor of it, um, getting to play all these different characters, but also that's the thing is Avengers is kind of saying like, they're going to have that as well. Maybe not in the same kind of format of this big four player co-op thing, but you'll get to play as multiple characters. But that also then makes me wonder like, well, how is that going to affect like the storyline? I don't know. You also did get to meet, they brought out, or they didn't bring out, they did a video with all the voice actors um, that do the the main Avenger characters, which are a lot of people that you know, like Nolan North is doing uh, Iron Man. Uh, uh, why can I not think of his name? What's the other one? Nolan North and they're always together. Troy Baker. Yes, him, Troy Baker. I was like, why can I? I was thinking Trey Parker, but I was like, no, that's South Park. <laughs> um, he's doing Bruce Banner. Uh, uh Laura, Laura Bailey's doing Black Widow, uh Travis Williams doing uh Thor, and then the guy who's doing Cap was the only one that I didn't recognize. Um so that was really cool gonna see them. Although some people made comments that like when there's a scene where Tony Stark and Bruce Banner are having a conversation, they're like, that sounds like Nathan Drake and his brother talking, because you know, it's Nolan North and but I, I was like, I don't know, that didn't bother me. I feel like those guys are accomplished voice actors. I think they're going to do an amazing job. So I'd rather see them doing it than people I didn't know and didn't trust or whatever. So I'm excited about it. We'll see. Hopefully it's cool. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be. I mean, if the guys who got to see the behind the scenes footage, are, are they seem blown away by that. So hopefully maybe we'll get a release of gameplay footage coming up here soon. I mean, they have... I mean, since it's an Avengers game, it's Marvel. So you could probably see that at Comic-Con. You could even see it at D23. So we have lots of opportunities. You know, we have the uh, video game awards. There's lots of opportunities for them to show off stuff before it launches. So, you know, hopefully we'll get to see some more gameplay footage. Actually, I, I, don't, even, I don't even think they gave a release date. So we might see them again at E3 next year. Oh, yeah, that's true. This could be a while. And hey, anything that makes Disney money is okay by us. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just what they need more money after making all the money billions and billions of dollars off of endgame <laughs> and then um other than that that basically just kind of leaves nintendo doing their thing where they're like hey, we're not playing our game but we're gonna we'll put a video out this week for you That's guys to watch because i i did not i did not watch nintendo at all so <laughs> uh, yeah i checked this out um a couple hours after it came out it was a very interesting mix it was a pretty long video for them about 45 minutes and it covered a lot of stuff so a lot of stuff that people were expecting to hear you know there's a bunch of new junk coming out for um uh smash brothers which that's we're going to be hearing about that for years this is what smash brothers is so they're adding dragon quest characters and they're adding you know all kinds of different stuff so lots of new stuff coming there if you're into that game there's lots of new content for you um they uh, showed a bunch of stuff from Luigi's Mansion 3, which looks pretty cool. I mean, if you're into those games, it's more of that kind of stuff. Uh, in a couple months, they're going to be launching their remaster uh, of uh, Link's Awakening, which looks really interesting. Kind of this claymation looking thing. People who are pretty hardcore Zelda fans tend to look pretty favorably on that game. So, And it looks 
like a pretty faithful remake. Um, you know, they've shown a lot of comparison screens between the original Game Boy one and this new one. So that's cool that they're going through with that. Um, the thing I think most people were sort of salivating for was some concrete information on the new Animal Crossing game, which they finally gave um, some indication of what that's going to look like. Animal Crossing New Horizons. It's not been a thing for me, but for people who are excited about it, they're really excited about it. Um, there was a bunch of weird things interlaced through it where they um, were, were dropping a lot of like weird release announcements that kind of just felt like they were sort of out of nowhere. So some of it makes sense. Like um, there's a game that launched recently called Dauntless that I'm hoping to be able to check out soon. That is basically Monster Hunter Light, but their big um, uh, hooks are that it's free to play and that it's completely cross-platform, cross-progress, cross-save. And uh, I have a lot of people that I know who are having a lot of fun with that game. Uh, with PC, Xbox, PS4 all playing together seamlessly, voice chat better than most internal systems. I, I need to check that out. And so that's coming to Switch too. So that will literally be playable on everything. Um, they're going to be putting out The Witcher 3 Complete Edition. I'm going to be really interested to see how that thing runs on a Switch because that, that game was pretty intensive. Um, it made my PlayStation chug pretty hard. Um, so I don't know what it's going to do to a Switch. It, it's probably a lot of patches to kind of bring in textures and things like that that they'll need for the future um they're they put out a couple of collections uh they, they announced a new contra game which is not something i ever thought i'd see again um and there's a contra collection that i think is out now after the announcement which collects a lot of the old nes super nintendo genesis game boy games um that i'll almost definitely pick up because i love those games just like the castlevania collection i just got um they they're big kind of there's always an obscure like Japanese thing that Nintendo fans want them to bring over to America that they like never do. Um, one of them is Mother 3. That still hasn't happened. Um, but one of them that is actually happening, which is kind of a surprise to me, is they're bringing over this um, uh, collection of mana title that came out in Japan that basically is going to localize for the first time officially the Secret of Mana sequel, which is was a pretty big game in the United States, action RPG, kind of like Earthbound was a big thing um, for some people who are into that sort of thing. So that collection is out now. I didn't realize that until I read an article earlier tonight. So I definitely want to pick that up because um, I really like those games. Final Fantasy Adventure for Game Boy was the first one of those. Seiken Densetsu is the name of the series in Japan, and all three of those have been re-released now in a way that you can play. And then they're going to remaster that final title, that third title, as a new thing um, that's going to be coming out sometime next year. So, I, again, just kind of a weird thing that they kind of drop from out of nowhere. And then um, their big sort of final tease, which was pretty cool, was um, they showed a little bit of uh, sort of cinematic footage and um, just basically... Um, of this weird spooky thing that had link and zelda and it was basically just a title screen that put up they said the sequel to breath of the wild is in development now which again not surprising that was a gigantic game that did really well for them and they're making another one but it was kind of cool to get to see stuff there but no info on bayonetta 3 no info on metroid prime 4 so still some things that left out there but on the whole i thought it was really cool it was a very rapid fire um and i think that the, what they put out were more hits than misses so Good for them. They continue to play their own game and kind of <laughs> ignore what everybody else is doing and quietly make trillions of dollars. So yay mm. for Nintendo. And at some point in the near future, we're going to have a theme park land after them here in our hometown. So that's kind of fun. So that's basically three. Any other stuff I missed or any final thoughts you can think of? Um, No, 
Not really. I mean, yeah, we pretty much hit on just about everything. Um, you know, Cyberpunk's going to be awesome. Xbox could have done better. That's really about it. <laughs> yep. Next year will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're we're in the weird lull before new hardware. So we, we yeah. knew this was going to be maybe potentially a little bit different. So, but then, you know, new hardware coming from the big guys and weird new things coming from. I'm fine with a lull right now. I have games I need to catch up on and. Because I really don't, we don't. As far I don't have anything I'm really hyped about till September when Borderlands Three comes out. So, yeah, October is Outer Worlds, which they announced. They announced a, re- a release date for that at E3 is October. So, so you've got some stuff later in the year, and then maybe before the next episode, we can try to play through that new Borderlands Two DLC that just came out. Which I'm yeah. still, I'm and still they, totally tickled that they're doing that. They did say that if you go in and you want to jump right into that, they do give you the option to, to jump to a level 30 character. Yeah, that's that's what I'll do. If you literally just want to do that DLC, which, yeah, I, that's probably what I will do as well. Because um, I just got, you know, now the Handsome Jack collections on PS4, which I haven't touched really. So it'd be nice just to be able to create a level 30 character and run through that. Very cool. Well, lots of games coming up in the future and hopefully more episodes from us coming up in the near future. We're going to try to make this more consistent, even if it's just me and Mike still plugging away, maybe bringing some more guests, get Jared back in here. We'll see the future. The future past 60 is nothing but bright. It's not all, you know, Cialis commercials for us. No, we're going to we're going to do more <laughs> more episodes of this fine, fine podcast. So we're going to leave that uh, for this evening. We covered quite a bit. And thank you for listening. If you've made it to the end, if you got anything you want to talk about or any thoughts about anything with E3 or anything else. Drop us a line on Twitter at the Use Gamers. Check out our Facebook page. Reach out to us any way you can on all of the social medias. And until then, we're going to sign off. So for the Use Gamers, my name is Chris. And I'm Mike. And we will catch y'all later. Good night, guys. Should have thought of this. What am I doing? These are just the things you learn as as you're starting out with this kind of stuff. This is not going to get us world recognition, Chris. We're never going to get an invite to E3 this way. And of course, I can't reach the outlet from where I'm at. Stand by. (laughs) Go, go, Gadget Arms. Yeah, that's a banjo I just hit. Good podcast. You have a banjo in your... Uh, hey, you should bring out your banjo. I'll bring out my djembe and we can we can have a little jam session for the next episode. I'm sure everybody would... I'm sure that will get us a few more subscribers, right? I think it would certainly make us unique. Oops. Almost there. Yay. And we're back. (laughs) Yay. We started at like 70% battery and it was at 18% when I looked at my screen. Jeez. Yeah, that's chewing up something. Okay, so I'm going to give myself a break. Come back in.